Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming up on today's episode, a few old friends stop by. Andrew Hustler Patterson. And Michael Remus of Winnipeg Sports Talk joined me for a fun chat about the Jets, some food, and Game 4 of the Stanley Cup Final. But first, a word from our friends over at DraftKings. McGregor vs. Poirier 3 is all set for UFC 264. And DraftKings, which is the official daily fantasy partner of UFC, is giving you a shot at huge cash prizes Up to a million dollars in total prizes, actually. And all you have to do is play some fantasy MMA. Super easy. You just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and then pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. Plus, basketball and hockey is available as well, where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs throughout the week. And as always, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you could deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. It's the McGregor vs. Poirier rubber match, so get it on the action now. Download the DraftKings app and use promo code THPN for your shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki and the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. Now, I mentioned at the end of last week's episode that we had some special guests lined up and they didn't disappoint. But the plan was to crank out a quick episode for you guys. And that was even before Game 4 of the Stanley Cup Final went to overtime. But things just went off the rails. Too much fun was had with a couple of beauties. So that plan went out the window right away. Super Jack to bring on everybody's favorite duo here in Winnipeg. Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus of Winnipeg Sports Talk are here to join me. Boys, how are we doing tonight? B, what's going on? Everybody's favorite. What an what an introduction. Thank you. <laughs> I, I mean, look, you know you have good friends when they're willing to stay up after game four of the Stanley Cup final in OT to help you out and, and talk a little Jets and maybe some food as well. So I appreciate you taking the time, guys. But I guess just initial thoughts. Actually, Remo, you um you had an interesting description of that uh, OT winning goal by Josh Anderson before we got on here. What did, what did you call it? Yeah, I said uh, it was a man's goal. That was, it had some real man strength. You know, Josh Anderson's been into the league. Um, you know, you see him make the D play at his own in his own end, rush up the ice, battle into the corner, get up. Pure pure man on that one. So uh, full credit to Josh. I I wanted to see an OT Cup winner. But I'll take what I just saw. That was that was nice, and maybe Tampa can win it uh, at home. But uh, I thought we would see an OT Cup winner. I kind of wanted that. I was convinced we'd see an OT Cup winner to the point that the minute I saw Shea Weber getting a four-minute minor, I went immediately to my favorite sports book and checked the live line on Tampa and was surprised. They were minus 37, minus 137. It only went to minus 143 at that point. And I mean, I was convinced that we were not going to get two and a half minutes of overtime, Brandon. But, um, you know, as they said on the broadcast, I think the hockey gods were uh, 
were smiling on the Habs tonight. Not that they haven't been smiling on them plenty over the course of the last six weeks or so. Uh, but it was good that they didn't get swept. It was a hell of a play by Josh Anderson, as Remus described. And, um, hey, you know what? They live to see another day. Fans get to see at least one win in the finals. Hockey fans get another game. And Tampa, after winning in a bubble last year, will be in front of a full building with an opportunity to raise that cup again, but for the first time, uh, well, for the first time in these two years, in front of home fans. Yeah, and you know what? Hashtag man was the play of the night. But maybe my favorite thing of the night was that the Bell Center was about as compliant with that 3,500 fan limit as Tampa Bay has been with the salary cap this year. There had to have been 10,000 people in the building, right? I was like, that was great. Like, you could actually hear the fans for the first time in Montreal. I, 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 I don't know what to say about that. I saw a bunch of tweets, and I'm like, well, I don't – I mean – I don't have a hot take on this because I don't really know, but the more people I saw mention that, I kept looking and just trying to do the math for the section going, yeah, might be, might be a whole bunch of extra arena workers in the building. Maybe, maybe that was it. I have no idea, but it's so weird that there's 30, you know, 3,500. It's like how, you know, you know how like WWE used to like inflate their attendance like for wrestlemania they'd say oh there's like hundred thousand fans and it'd be like 80 and this one it's like the opposite they're saying it's 3500 but it might be like 10, 10k but it's just so funny like and this has been the whole series like you have no fans inside then like outside shoulder to shoulder you have the scene with the restaurant it was just everything where it's like the people like social distance at the restaurant meanwhile it's just again shoulder to shoulder behind a barricade watching so I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. It is what it is, but it, it's interesting TV. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, Brandon. There's been uh, there's been a lot of hot COVID takes over the course of the last eighteen months. We'll we'll save we'll leave those to the experts on social media for it. But from a fan's perspective, I mean, listen, the more people we can get in, the better. It seems like uh, you know it's a different scenario right now with people having the vaccine and. Certainly you see what we've been doing for it compared to what's happening south of the border. And as I said, come game five in Tampa, there won't be an empty seat in the house. And uh, you just hope that everyone knows what they're doing on it. But uh, I'm happy to at least be able to see these scenes and, of course, look forward to getting back into our stadiums for Valor and the Bombers and uh, fingers crossed for the Jets come the fall. Yeah, Florida gave up on COVID in 2020, so we we don't have to worry about any. They beat it. It's a declared victory. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you you touched touched on it there. Hopefully for game one of the Jets regular season next year, we're getting well over 3,500 fans to watch whoever the Jets play their season opener against. Over the past couple of weeks, meanwhile, here on Skates and Plates, we've been diving into our off-season preview, looking at the forwards and the defense core. We actually haven't done goaltending yet, uh, so I'll just ask you guys quick. Um, is Connor Hellebuck the starter next year? I, I think he's got a good shot at winning the job in camp. Um, you know Wait. what? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> what year is this? <laughs> uh, I mean, as far as the goaltending, I mean, obviously, it's Helly and Helly and Helly again. Yeah. Um, but Brassois, I mean, I got to give Brassois credit. In the last couple of years, he's been a very solid backup goaltender uh, as far as you know, the, the, the cost he was spending, the, the club had to spend on him. So, and they seem to have made a very good, t- get very good tandem. Now, it's going to be imperative to keep that cap number minimal for the backup goaltender. And I'll tell you what, if Brassois is is down with that, um, you know, I'm sure there could very well be an opportunity to come back because they work together well together. They work with the same goaltending coach. I mean, the goaltending for the Winnipeg Jets has been awesome the last few years. So for all the things that need to get changed, I'd say that's at the bottom of the list right now. Uh, but honestly, you just want to have a competent backup that can come in and play his 15, 20 games because, you know, Connor Hellebuck's going to be carrying the mail night in and night out for the Winnipeg Jets. I always was surprised that Brossois um, didn't get more games. He played so well. I thought he'd earn it. I guess Helly's a guy he wants to play. He wants that that big workload. I mean, he was awesome in uh, in that Edmonton series. I mean, and I can't really fault him for uh, you know the team in front of him for Montreal. But yeah, he's the guy. I don't think there's any any question there. Although the backup, maybe there's a question. We'll have to wait and see. I mean, Brossois, isn't he uh, not under contract? Yeah, yeah that's what I mean. They got to figure out whether he's yeah. getting re-signed or who will be that guy. And and you know, I mean, let's say that he gets a good offer for more money elsewhere and takes it. Um, then, I mean, you're looking at the market. I, 
I think no matter what, there'd be a goaltender signed. Um, I'm I'm infatuated with Mikhail Burden and where he where he lands, how confident they are. Like, could he be a guy that would come in? I have to think they're probably penciling him in for another year of, you know, starting and playing significant minutes in the American Hockey League, which would mean that a Brassois type would be riding shotgun with Connor Hellebuck. But I'll tell you what, it would be exciting to see Burton get an opportunity or two because he is uh, is must-see TV or wiki. Guys, checking the clock here. We got 2.30 out of that goaltending segment, which was – Two minutes and 15 seconds longer than I would have done on my own. <laughs> yeah. I, I appreciate the, Our goalie preview went a lot longer and a lot more in-depth, so that's awesome. I, the one thing, though, I, before we get to the defense, just quickly here, I believe Mikhail Burden is um, eligible to be picked up off waivers if he's sent down this year. So there's a little bit of hesitation there. I think he'll get through, but that's just something else for Jets fans to keep in mind as we head towards expansion and all the other stuff that's going on in the offseason here. But we'll we'll focus on to the defense now because that's clearly the hot-button topic issue in Winnipeg for, I think, three years running now. And I'll start off with you here, Huss. We know the Jets are going to make additions and changes on the blue line. How many and what those are is the big unknown. I sent a tweet out the other day kind of essentially asking Jets fans if they thought the team would be a contender next season if they added just one legit top four defenseman, essentially replacing Derek Forbert with an improved player. Two-thirds of the fans said, no, that's not good enough. That's not going to be good enough for the Jets to be a, I guess, upper echelon contender next season. Would you agree with that? Or can the Jets win without an actual number one top pair defenseman on the roster? Well, I, I guess for the sake of this argument, that assumes that you know Morrissey's back, obviously. Pionk is re-signed. He's back. Dylan DeMello stays. Um, I guess does that mean like have we in, have we included the expansion draft in that conversation? Let's just assume Appleton is picked and okay, the defense okay. is being brought back. Okay, so um, you know if you added, I, I, I don't know whether I'd be that pessimistic on that. To be honest, I mean I think that I mean depending on the defenseman that you brought in, I mean let's assume that he's a guy that can be absolutely reliable top four minutes playing special teams and potentially a top pair guy if he, you know, works well in the, in the pairing. Um, that is one thing that, you know, if we're saying that that happens, I think that's a huge, huge move forward. And then to be honest with you, I mean, I'm bullish on Logan Stanley going into year number two in the National Hockey League after his rookie season. We spent a lot of time talking about Billy Hainala. There's a lot of potential in Dylan Sandberg. I mean, listen, if these players get opportunities and don't deliver, and again, that's a lot to ask of rookie defense, and I think that's part of the reason why the Jets have been hesitant to move all this stuff along so quickly and why Maurice said that, you know, let's just not all pencil them all into the lineup. We're going to play who gives us the best chance to win. But I think with the competition at the bottom of the to- of, of the six defensemen with these young players, um, you know, I think that there is a lot to be optimistic about. But I- I- I'm with you. I mean, I think that the level of player they can add – um, regardless of the cost, if we're just talking about the defense, I mean, I think you do, do need a big minute muncher that can be reliably out there for 22, 23 minutes a night. Um, because, I mean, listen, the cost to acquire a guy like that as well. I mean, you don't just pull those guys off trees. I mean, even getting one, I think, would be a big win for the Winnipeg Jets. The other side of it, of course, is those young players, um, you know, getting the opportunity and showing they belong in the NHL. So, Remo, we know the names that are out there right now. I mean, Seth Jones and and Dougie Hamilton are the high-end options. And then there's a number of other blue liners with varied impact after that. I know you're a big Chell guy, so put on your uh, Be a GM hat here. Is there a name or two that you would love to see Winnipeg make a run for and and target that they could maybe realistically acquire? Yeah, BGMs. Uh, I'm really an online guy. I got to go with Hut. Uh, I'm gonna make my my Jets ultimate team here. Um, I know I see people kicking around Seth Jones. I don't really see him as an option. He's a you know a UFA after this upcoming season. I he has a no trade clause from what I've seen. So uh, you know if you have a no trade clause, it seems more often than not Winnipeg is gonna be on it. Um, you know, it seems like the guy that seems the realistic is Jamie Alexiak. They seem to, uh, there were reports that the Jets tried to acquire him and maybe had a deal. You know, maybe he does resign with Dallas, but I mean, that is a big guy. They need size. Uh, they need a guy, you know, who can be a, you know, tough, you know, be tough to play against. What is that? The u- words cop used. So I think that could help. 
you know, you have all these young guys, Hanela, Sandberg, Stanley. You're going to play three young guys. I mean, I think they've all been ready for a while. Find a way to make a trade, maybe deal one. You can't keep pushing the ball along to the future forever. They need to win. They need NHL caliber defensemen. Uh, they definitely need a big dog. Is that big dog out there? Like, is Dougie, do you just like push your chips all in on Dougie Hamilton? And he says yes. I don't know if that's going to happen, but maybe put in, put in an effort and, and see. But if you want to get like that mid-tier guy, I think maybe a Alexiak or David Savard, possibly soon to be a stuck Stanley Cup champion. Uh, maybe he could be a guy too. Um, you know, he's been pretty solid with uh, with Columbus the last couple of years. So those are two two guys. You know, we had heard at the deadline that are UFAs that I think I, I would be interested in. But you need you need that to find that big dog. Um, and they haven't found that since Buffalo. I don't know, and I don't know if that's going to happen. You know, the other guy that stands out when we're talking about those guys uh, on the blue line that'll be unrestricted free agents, especially that play the right side, which I think is key for the Winnipeg Jets when they're looking at somebody to acquire, is that the guy Michael Remus refers to as Mr. One-for-One, Adam Larson on the right (laughs) side in Edmonton. And listen, he's not a flashy player by any means, um, but, I mean, Dylan DeMello's far from a flashy player. I mean, literally has no offense but, man, a pretty reliable guy that, you know, depending on what happens with Edmonton and the acquisitions and what they're doing, um, you know, he might, you know, be looking to, to sign for a team, you know, for the highest bidder. And I would offer that a player like that, the Jets have a need for as much as maybe any team in the NHL. You know, yeah, Edmonton's too busy right now trying to trade for the player that Duncan Keith was 10 years ago. So yeah. I don't know if Adam <laughs> Larson's in their plans. It's funny, though, Remo, you mentioned Alexiak. That was in in my episode two weeks ago. I actually said if I had to put money on any new player being a Winnipeg Jet next season, Alexiak was my guy because the Jets did try to acquire him at the deadline. Uh, Jim Neal wanted a first-round pick for him as a rental, and I think Kevin Chevaldeoff made the obvious correct move in, in not trading for him at the time. But that would be a really, really nice fit besides Neil Pionk. It's just, you know, can the Jets, is Morrissey DeMello enough? There's still some questions to be figured out after that. Another wrench being thrown into all this is the expansion draft. And we'll do that episode next week. But Huss, I know you've been pounding this drum. You might have been the first one on on board of this a few months ago. But you're still standing strong on, if the choice comes down to it, protecting and keeping Logan Stanley over Dylan DeMello? Um, Well, listen, I mean, I think I would, I mean, I would do whatever I can, considering that the, plight of the Jets defense I would do whatever it takes and if that meant moving a pick or something to keep those guys I think I would do that but if you're asking me I I, listen you know it was it's funny you bring that up I mean that was a bit of a revelation the sixth ever episode of Winnipeg Sports Talk the second Monday we were on it was after Stanley finally got back into the lineup after Bolio got hurt and I said listen he's not coming out of the lineup there's the, uh, the here's the here's the hot take Bolio's getting Wally pipped by, by Logan Stanley. And then a week or two later, it became, I've now had the revelation, he's getting protected. They're not going to lose this guy. And to me, this comes back to just how much the organization has put into this player. And I think that the potential, certainly that they, I think, believe in more than anyone because they made the pick. They moved up to get him in the first round. They did exactly what they said, two years in junior, two years in the American Hockey League, and we'll see if he's ready to play. And, and you know, to their credit, I think they put him in positions to succeed this year. I mean, maybe he would have liked to have a more of a challenge and get more opportunities, but, you know, it is what it is. I, I just don't think that they're ready to put all that into a player with such a unique package that Logan Stanley brings and let him walk away for nothing. So, um and it's the Dylan DeMello is fascinating because I certainly appreciate how good he is and how important he is. But on the surface, on a lot of things, I mean, as I mentioned, you know, played third pairing for much of this season was, I mean, has almost no offense to to, to deliver. And that's certainly something that people look at. Um, and we're going to have to see what other defensemen are available in and around the league. I mean, he's got a, he, he provides good value and he's a player that can play in your top four, very versatile. So listen, if I'm Seattle, I think I would do it. I think the Jets would be loath to lose either of those two guys. Um, and maybe a good thing is that Mason Appleton, to be honest, is such an attractive prospect because that may avoid losing one of those players. But by the same token, 
They don't really want to lose lose Appleton. And to Remus's point about if you believe that right now is the time to make a move, that you think you're in this window to win, um, maybe it makes those sort of expansion day deals a lot more stomachable because, you know, much like the Jets were the last time, like when Vegas came in, they felt that they were ready to really go forward and challenge, um, you know, which they ended up being exactly that. Um, so I think that, you know, the timing of everything is important. And if they do think that they're close and they're able to utilize some of their assets to improve that blue line, some of those other players are going to be needed. And, um, you know, maybe there is some picks going over to take a Sammy Niku or Nate Bolio or someone that doesn't fit in the team's plans going forward. Yeah, and that's the other interesting part. You mentioned a name there, and, and Remo, I'll toss this one over to you. You can start, um, you know, making another HUD team here. But when you look at the forward core, the, the Stanley DeMello debate is so intriguing to me because I've thought all along, if I'm Seattle, I'm taking Mason Appleton out of all three of those players. So you can debate defensemen all you want. I'll, I'll take the the youngish forward who could potentially be a top six player for us. But that also ties into what happens with Andrew Kopp this offseason because he's an RFA. He's close to becoming a potential UFA. And negotiations between himself and the team have not gone <laughs> to have not gotten off to the best of foots after their last uh, go around with uh, Chevy and Overhart. So Remo, would you would you consider trading Andrew Kopp this offseason if there's no traction on a long term deal because that would allow you to keep Mason Appleton and grab some assets, or do you maybe just take the chance, sign Andrew Kopp anyways, make a run at it this season? And if he's gone in the offseason, then you know what? Thanks for your service to the organization. Yeah, the expansion draft kind of throws a wrench because you have to find a partner who doesn't already have, you know, the forwards they want to protect. And if there wasn't an expansion draft, I would say, you know, deal him for sure because, you know, he's kind of hit his peak, not peak this year. He had a career season. Um, you're going to be paying him a lot. And you have his replacement right there in Mason Appleton. So, I mean, I think it's, it would be tough to lose him for nothing because he definitely has value. And you saw Nashville trade away a guy like Arvidsson, you know, who has a better track record than cop for what, uh, what a second and a third. I think that was, that was the trade. Correct. So uh, I think he has value, but I think you're just in a tough spot because maybe teams don't want to make trades and maybe around closer to the draft and the expansion draft, there would be a trade, but I mean, his guys, you know, we talked about it today. I want to pick sports talk. You did with us with Mike McIntyre. He's going to be making at least 4 million. Um, you're up against the cap. You need to upgrade the D. You're paying a lot of forwards, a lot of money. You do have some other um, guys who can come in. I mean, we've been talking about David Gustafson uh, for a bit and Jansen Harkins. What can these guys bring? I don't know if they're as good as Cop, but you need to find these. I mean, if he's going to be a you know a third line guy making that, I'm you know I don't know if that's the best way um, to spend your dollars on a team that really um, needs more help on defense but I do I'm but having said that I like Andrew Kopp I'm a fan of him I like his game he can play any forward position he can play penalty kill um he scored you know again career season so maybe he can build on that but I would think his value is as high as it's ever been and, and if you can find a taker to and you can get a, a return I would do it but I don't know if someone's going to want to protect him over whatever you know whatever else they have and then have to sign him but I agree that the uh the way the negotiations have gone the past couple of years, as much as he says it's not a factor going forward, I don't, I don't believe that. And Andrew Kopp's usually a pretty, uh, pretty honest, well-spoken guy. But well, his he, interview after signing the contract was about as honest as we've ever heard on the station. I mean, it was yeah. so different than every other. I just signed a new contract with the club interview we did on the old station, Brandon. And you know, he was honest. I mean, the arbitration process is not fun for a player to go through, and. You know, there's there can be a lot of uh, a bad taste in many people's mouths leaving uh, leaving that. So when you add in that, the fact that it's a career year, Kurt Overhart is the agent, which um, <laughs> there's certainly a history there with the Winnipeg Jets. You wonder how realistic there is, is there a deal to get done that's, you know, more than just a one year. Because and this is why I think we talked about this with Mike, as Remus said today. I mean, I think these next couple of weeks are crucial when it comes to you know, negotiations with the cop camp, because if they do think that, man, I don't know whether we're going to be able to get something done. I don't think anybody wants to go to arbitration again. I mean, that would be, that would really set the tone for a miserable year for a player. You know, he'd be on a one-year deal, probably assuming he's going to be traded at some point. So, I mean, listen, 
it's going to be very interesting to see how that situation plays out if it does before the expansion draft, because as Remus said, he's a very key player. I mean, if he was available via trade or certainly on that market, and maybe it's a Seattle thing, maybe you say, we'll make a deal and we'll give you cop, but in return, we want, you know, some defenseman on another player and you work things out. So you keep those other players. I'm fascinated, Brandon, and I know you're going to get to the expansion draft next week, next week, but you know, the other players that are available. And when we're talking about the, because listen, as much as we'd love to sign all the top free agents here in Winnipeg, that does not usually the way it works, but this is a unique opportunity. I think for GMs like Kevin Sheveldayoff to identify defensemen that might be available with other teams in the expansion draft and make something that works for Seattle and their team and essentially bring a defenseman in via a three-way deal with the expansion draft. Yeah, and, and one of those names that I mentioned too that I think would actually be a great, great fit beside Josh Morrissey is Matt Dumba. And Matt Dumba is basically, as of right now, expansion fodder unless the Wild can make a trade to move him. So you wonder, you know, there's a player like that. There's going to be a handful across the league where a team's like, hey, we're going to lose him. Let's pick up even a draft pick for him. And that way we're getting something for somebody we would have lost for nothing. I, I really appreciate you guys. I, I, it's getting a little bit late here. So we'll, we'll wrap up the skates portion of the podcast and move over to what I'm actually most excited to talk about with you guys, <laughs> the plane side of things. I'm so excited. I actually created a new segment. This is the unveiling of a brand new segment on the show. The debut. The debut that I wanted you two to be the guinea pigs for. I'm calling it the pressure cooker. I don't know if either of you guys own one of those bad boys, but you've probably seen it before. Remo, do you have one? Is that a um, instant pot? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got we yeah. we got that. I'm I've not... heard of them, but I no, I've never seen one, Brandon. But I'm willing to get into the pressure cooker with you on S and P. That's that's what I was hoping for. So we'll kind of do some some fun rapid fire questions. We'll go back and forth with you guys here. Hus will get you to start off, and then Remo. You can uh, clean up after that. I, I'm just I'm very intrigued to see what your answers are going to be. So if you guys are ready, we'll get this bad boy started. Let's do it. All right. First question in the pressure cooker. You actually answered this before we uh, went on and, and started talking here. But last place you ordered from Skip the Dishes on. Well, as a matter of fact, it was tonight. That's not surprising. But uh, it was a new spot. It was called Tokyo Burger on Osborne. Uh, I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing this right, but Wagyu, they got the Wagyu beef. Uh, so I had a bacon cheese. I tried a cheeseburger there and a, a chicken, uh, a chicken sandwich. Both of them were amazing. Didn't eat them all, but I figured if I'm ordering there for the first time, I couldn't decide between the two. Going to get the free delivery. Yeah, we'll, we'll get an extra item. Uh, it was very, very good. Um, they're in the village, I believe. I was just looking. I wasn't familiar where they are, but I le- believe 120 Osborne. There's a number of new restaurants in that have sort of changed hands or you know, started new things during the pandemic. So I was excited. Burgers are my favorite forever. So uh, you get a new burger stop in the neighborhood, and I'll definitely try it. So, uh, yeah, it was two thumbs up. Not cheap, but really good. So um, if, you, uh, if you like a nice high-end burger, I would uh, recommend giving it a try. And that's a vet move too, doing the double burger because next day breakfast is as good as it gets, having you know half of one of those bad boys back to back. Remo, what about you, yeah. buddy? Where was the last place you ordered from on Skip? Does it ha- is Skip a sponsor? Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, no. So any any ordering okay. service, or even <laughs> if you, I know you picked up uh, takeout from somewhere, right? I stopped ordering off Skip after they screwed me last year. Do <laughs> we have time? I qu- I'm never ordering from them again. I can see, see holds a grudge, a hard grudge. Yeah, I'm I'm done with them. I'm done with them. I try I try to call the places in order. Do want, I don't want to ruin your podcast, but um, the. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I ordered it a while. It was like a year ago, I think, and I ordered it, and the food never came. I think the guy picked it up and just ate, took it home, and it ruined my entire night. I was left stranded. <laughs> the guy ate it and took it home. Well, it said it said it was delivered. It clearly wasn't delivered, and um, 
just ruined it. We waited like an hour for this food and it just completely like screwed my whole night. I'm this a is a hard grudge for Wiki. It's the biggest, the biggest grudge that he had since Dazen screwed up the NFL Sunday ticket two oh years ago. Gosh. And he blo- and he blocked them on Twitter and refuses to acknowledge <laughs> yeah. their existence anymore. Oh, I, I there's like fights I don't know about because I blocked them. Yeah, I, I don't, and I won't call <laughs> yeah. them. I don't call them DAZN. They don't deserve that. Yeah. They call them Dazen. That'll show them. Okay. I'm, I'm sure the Twitter block haunts them to this day. Um, uh, you you, did, you stopped off at Yaffa Cafe though, right? That was oh uh, yeah. Okay, so I ordered for, I ordered from Yaffa Cafe today on uh, on Portage. Very good shawarma wrap. My wife got the plate. I uh, got some falafel balls. Very good. Um, if you're into into that type of food, I was gonna say the actual place that I did order a DoorDash on because I you know I'm boycotting Skip because they <laughs> screwed me. But um, I ordered from this uh, KNS Island Grill, also in the St. James area. Uh, a Caribbean restaurant. I think I got a burger for lunch. I remember being very good. This was a long time ago, but uh, those are two. Uh, coincidentally, they're both in Saint on Portage West, so some nice uh, spots there. Um, awesome. A couple so, places, couple places for the listeners to check out. I actually yeah. picked up um, off Skip Lasage. I don't know if you guys have had oh, Lasage. Okay, I saw that on Instagram today, but I ended up going with Yaffa Cafe. Lasage is legit. Yeah, you, yeah. you can't go. I mean, those are both like high end spots, but I was I was pretty impressed with Lasage and the hot sauce is uh, it's uh, it's high end. So if you're looking for a spot that you haven't tried out just yet, yeah. I recommend either of those ones. Those are interesting. If it, when it comes to those sort of restaurants, I still am partial. And I did do a pickup last week at our old neighbors on Pemina yes. Highway. Best pizza donair. I, I still maintain that those donairs are as good as any you will find in the city and maybe the best donair in Canada in between Halifax and Edmonton where <laughs> donairs reign supreme. So a uh, shout out to the guys at okay. best. That's a great spot. I'll also give a shout out to AbiCon and ShawarmaCon. This is a sports podcast, former bomber. Uh, that's in my rotation as well in terms of that type of cuisine. And you can check out my interview with Abi Khan on oh. any of your podcasting platforms as I yeah. absolutely nail that segue and transition. Subscribe, swipe up, swipe up. <laughs> more. Swipe up and swipe right, yeah. whatever. Swipe any way more, you can. More food. I'm here for it. Let's go. I'm here for the plates part, not the skates part. <laughs> well, let's continue the plates. The pressure cooker segment yeah. continues. Okay. I'm intrigued by this one because I don't know the skill level I'm dealing with, but... Starting with Hustler again, what is the best dish that you can cook yourself? Ooh. Well, I guess best is all in the eye of the beholder. Uh, The only thing I've really cooked in a considerable amount of time, but I've made it often, um, is Johnsonville Bratz on the grill. Love dogs, love burgers, but I don't know. Maybe it's I'm looking forward to football season and the tailgating, but now that the barbecues are going on and, you know, being single, I like I like something that's easy and there's nothing easier than throwing a couple of those brats. If I have people over, we're doing something, I might boil them in beer, put some onions in and, and then grill them afterwards. That's a vet move, you know, yeah. for when you're doing it, like at a game beforehand. Uh, but even right now, those things are so good. You just throw them right on the grill get a couple fresh buns and that uh, you were good. So, I mean, I, I don't even think that counts as cooking really. Um, other than that, I guess I've made smoothies sometimes. I mean, not enough, I don't think, but I can't, I can't crank that out. I think a beer braised broad is like, if you're, if you're doing an actual technique, I'm, I'm cool with that. That that's impressive stuff. Yeah. It's yeah. just drinking half a Bud Light and pouring the rest in and boiling it. I mean, it's not, it's not really that tough, but uh, it does make a difference. I, I will, I will stand by that technique. Learn it. That's, from the greats in Arrowhead Stadium, how I got doing that. Because I certainly would have never have thought of doing that myself. Yeah, I got to try that one. I thought you were just going to put the thing on. You did add a little extra, uh, you know, hustler. It becomes cooking at that personal. Point. Yeah, you really uh, put your own spin on that one, right? <laughs> Brandon, we watch Top Chef. We know how to uh, properly review food here with the, the buzzwords you need to say. Really, uh, <laughs> you put that beer on that broad, it really ties the whole thing together, right? Um <laughs> If am I going here with uh, yeah yeah go ahead I'll go, ahead. go with you know we just got a new barbecue in September and for the longest time I thought I sucked at barbecuing I was like why is my food tasting terrible why is it tasting burnt and looking black it was because we were using this like really old grill that probably hadn't been cleaned 
We've since upgraded to uh, you know a new one. It's awesome. And uh, so I would do on the... I really got my timing down, everything. So I would go with a, a steak or chicken breast, maybe a broccoli or a salad. Take your pick. And um, you can go with the frozen, you know, curly fries or uh, cut your own potatoes and throw them in the oven. Something something like that. That's what I would do. My, Have you graduated to meat thermometer guy yet, Remus? Or, oh, uh, yeah. My wife got me on meat thermometer, of course. Nice, uh, nice, you got to... Nice. You got to measure. I don't have the digital one that comes with the barbecue, but just a, a regular one. I think on my barbecue, you can get one that like goes to your phone. I'm not, I'm not quite there yet, and I'm not quite at the point where I'm like barbecuing something for a day, as I've seen on Instagram. You know, usually you know, 10, 15 minutes, depending on the outside temperature. But yeah, got to get that. All about the grill now. Now that I, uh, I realize I'm a competent uh, grillman. <laughs> I can. <laughs> well, you know, it's actually a perfect transition because you mentioned what was going to be my next question, Remo. Um, but this is a this is something that just popped in my head the other day. But what to you is the best version of the French fry? Mm. We're talking regular waffle cut, whoa, shoestring, yeah, whoa, crinkle, whatever it whoa. is. What's the what's the best? If you could have one French fry forever, what would it be? Oh man. Um... <sighs> I don't even know. Like, what did I like the old like diner style fry? I don't know what that. I mean, McDonald's I think are are elite fries, but I like um, I don't know regular diner style. Yeah, I had you know like the crinkle cut. Not crinkle cut. I don't know whatever whatever the Groves does to their fries. I like that. Uh, Yeah, I would call that regular, right? Like just the the classic cut, maybe. Yeah, but I, I shoestring is good, and then curly. I think um crinkle is is low on my fry if you want to do the fry rankings i put crinkle low lower waffle bottom i'm no thank you that's not a fry (laughs) um are there any other ones i'm missing i got we got five so steak fries those are bigger and thicker not usually as down with those i guess depending on i mean if you are eating you know a steak or something you know i guess they could be sort of good i think i'd have to go with with shoestring like, I mean, if you just Classic. think about fries, you think of McDonald's. I mean, they have the most elite fries. But unlike Remus, I think crinkle are the most underrated kind of fries. Like, I've got to tell you, I go to like a chicken delight and get fries and uh, and the gravy they have there. I mean, that is that's right up there with the with the best. Mm. And I was never a curly fry guy. And I know Arby's always had good curly fries, but they had that sort of coating that I wasn't really into, and I would get the regular ones. But I had curly fries at Hooters a few days ago. And <laughs> you know what? you know what? They were great. They were, they were some of the best curly fries I'd ever had. Got it with a little side of cheese sauce to dip in. That's, yeah. And that's I got to tell you, it was really good. So curly fries would have all, like, listen, that trip to Hooters, Changed a lot of things. One of them was my overall appreciation for curly fries. Sorry, I got a fry infographic here from the foodrepublic.com. So the fries I were describing were actually called British chips, and that's what they are called at the Grove, ha- hand-cut chips. Other fries we missed, we didn't discuss. Um, yeah, they're standard cut, shoestring, crinkle, sweet potato fries. Yeah, I, I think those have been overrated for years. Okay. You know what? I, one of I, I might lean towards shoestring regularly, mm-hmm. but I used to think waffle fries were the worst fry of all time. No, I don't know if you've ever had sandwiches are beautiful here in Winnipeg. No, order the waffle fry. I mean, get a sandwich, but get the waffle fries with it. It'll change your entire perspective on how the fry game should be. Hey, waffle as a- fries might be the actual go to the fry game after having their waffle fries. Hey, as a 30-year Chick-fil-A guy from growing up, I have always loved waffle fries if done well. I will absolutely take your advice on that. I don't really consider them really part of the group because they're so rare to find. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're in the States, and as I said, I mean, Chick-fil-A is massive in a lot of spots, and that's one of the things that they are known for, other than the best chicken sandwich around. But that is one of those things that if if I had more access to waffle fries, I would eat more waffle fries. So I'll be checking that out. The one that I didn't mention, uh, wedges, and I think those are actually the the bottom. I'm not a big wedge guy. Agreed. 
Yeah. Agreed. Thank, thanks for doing the legwork that I very clearly did not do, Remo. So I appreciate that. <laughs> He's got a lot of information. <laughs> well, that's good. Information. That's good because the last one we're going to close out the segment with here, it's another rankings. And this one I'm the most excited about. Talked about this with my wife the other day, but I figured, you know what? I have the biggest fast food aficionados on the planet Let's in go. front of me right now. So this is this is going to be kind of like the Bible. This is what's going to set it up for, for everybody here in Winnipeg moving forward. But we'll start with you, Huss, and then Remo close it out, or maybe you guys have the same rankings. But just quite simply, fast food, burger, power ranking. Who's got the best burger in the fast food game? Which one of those are you 100% staying clear from? Okay. Um, just strictly burgers, not the overall menu? Just, just burger. Just, just just the burger. Okay. Uh, no weight at all. I'm straight to Wendy's. Wendy's has been the number one for a long, long time. The double bacon deluxe, uh, an elite burger. Although I am mad at Wendy's, and I know Remus is going to back me up on Another this. Another grudge. Is that no, um, the bacon mushroom melt is the best burger of them all. And for some reason, they only put it on the menu for a few months a year. And I asked, I literally went to the the owner of the Wendy's here in Winnipeg a few years back. And I said, what gives? Like the bacon mushroom melt should be on all the time. And he goes, you know what? We take it off the menu and people are back. And then when things go down a little bit, we put it on and our sales spike. And I'm like, well, why wouldn't you just have it on 12 months a year and have more sales? Didn't get a proper answer for that. But uh, <laughs> all I can tell you is that the bacon mushroom melt is number one. I would put Wendy's right at the top. Um, to be honest, I think my very close number two, and this might surprise you, is DQ. The ultimate wow. grill burger from Dairy Queen is the sleeper of all of the fast food burgers. And you know what? You just think of DQ as ice cream and obviously for good reason. I mean, blizzards and all that stuff. But they have a lot of really good things. Chicken fingers are amazing there. But the burger, you know, I never really gave it the chance that I think a lot of the other places get. Um, but anyways, that DQ is right there. And as far as at the bottom, like... Listen, we all go to McDonald's, but I'm not going to stump for any of their burgers as really being a contender for the best burger. And while I'll handle a Whopper, I think burger for burger for top to bottom, I think Burger King's probably at the uh, at the bottom of the list. And A&W is sort of right in the middle. A lot of really good things about A&W, but I think I'm still giving the nod. I'm certainly giving the nod to Wendy's, and I think the ultimate grill burger at DQ I'm giving the nod to as well. Wendy's is definitely number one, and I agree with everything you said. Burger King, I got the coupons, and normally I'll like hang on to them and never use them. The Burger King's one, <laughs> me <once>. too. <laughs> yeah, the Burger, well, you could get them all on the app, but the yeah. Burger King coupons, like I just threw those at them. Like I'm, I know I'm not using these. Like McDonald's and A and W. Hold on, but the McDonald's has the best app. Um, A and W is number two. Although I got to give a shout to DQ. You know, you don't think of DQ as you forget about the grill part of grill and chill. But uh, their burgers are very good, so I'll throw out a shout-out to DQ. But A&W Teen Burger, big fan. Uh, McDonald's, I only order the value picks menu if you want to get you know value and you have the app and you want to okay. order ahead and not go through the drive-thru and just park in the spot and put it on your phone um, while listening to music. I mean, do that because that's the best. I think that's the best move. They have the best app. <laughs> um, and and who did I say? Oh, yeah. Well, I think Five Guys is good, but I – I think Wendy's is a better value. I don't even five consider guys. Five Guys in this category okay. that we're talking about okay. with fast food. I don't know. To me, that's, that's just got to be drive through. I think like because yeah. they're there's okay. more like yeah, they're, they're a little too high up. Five on Guys and Fat Burger are a bit up here, but I think Wendy's. I think Wendy's Burger is on par with Five Guys, and they have a drive through. Um, the one you know, Harvey's Cordon closed, and I'm curious oh, what's going to go in. And I went there once and. Wasn't as good as airport Harvey's, so I never went back. <laughs> I, I was a big fan of Home Depot Harvey's back in the day. I don't know if you guys remember that. Oh, yeah. I, well, the original Harvey's in town, in fact, was out by U of M, if you recall. South Pembina. Uh, it's now called the Chinada Restaurant, I believe. Hmm. But that was originally a Harvey's, and they had it there. And then they opened up a couple in the Home Depot. And then for whatever reason, that one ended up closing. Yeah. And uh, 
Yes, our neighborhood Harvey's is no more. That was an interesting spot because it was combined with Swiss Chalet. They, oh, uh, yeah. It was uh, sometimes I had some great stuff from there, but it was definitely a hit and miss. I will say I always my food was always really good from there. They had consistently one of the worst skip ratings of any place on the app. So I don't know if maybe that contributed. They uh, contributed to their downfall in the midst of the pandemic. But it's a big loss. We poured one out for Harvey and Swiss Chalet when we saw the, the signs taken down. I hope a Wendy's goes in there because there's no oh, there's no Wendy's and I and I always think like, yeah. there's two Burger Kings the Burger King on uh what the like Taylor Burger King and the Burger King on Confusion, Confusion Corner. Corner just make one of those a Wendy's like there's no Wendy's in this part and the Wendy's on I've been pouring one out every year for the Wendy's on uh Pemina. Oh. You know, it's, it's just really it, sad. it's one of the saddest things in the city when you go to yeah. uh, to the Pony Corral there's patio. Not, there's nothing it, there anymore. Yeah. It's like driving through a cemetery. It's, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's you know, terrible. The only the only the only uh, silver lining of them shutting the station down was that we didn't have to live with the loss of the Wendy's <laughs> directly in our face anymore. Yeah, every I, don't, day. I don't have to drive by it. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. Hey, <laughs> hey, I will say just quickly on Burger King. Uh, I know I gave them a low power pole ranking when it comes to. Burgers, I do want to give them a shout out because I think they have the sleeper best breakfast item in all of fast food, which is the French toast sticks. Veteran move. If you like the sausage patties, just get some French toast sticks and tell them, get them to add a couple of those. You can chop it up and dip them in together. Oh my God, it's amazing. And just to know the nature is healing. I am happy to tell you that the BK at Confusion Corner is now open 24 hours again from Wednesday until Sunday. They had been down to uh, limited hours for about a full year. So when I went through the other day and saw that they were open at three in the morning, it was up. it was heartwarming. It meant we're we're getting closer to to getting back to where we should be, and that's what I, uh, I, I need. That. I need Sal's to open later too. That's a, that when the Sal's is back to open twenty four hours. That's going to be a yeah. moment where I think we can all look at each other and say we did it. I'll actually give a shout out to A and W Breakfast. No one gives it any love. You know, you go drive down Waver or Keniston. I mean, Tim Hortons has got a lineup. Uh, McDonald's has a lineup. There's no one has any love. You can get go in that A and W in and out. It's pretty. It's I don't know if their coffee's as good, but I mean coffee's coffee. Whatever. It's okay. Whatever. Yeah. Like whatever. But uh, I mean the what do they got? Bacon and egger. It's fine. I mean it does it's the same thing. Like bacon and eggs on a on a bread. Like I don't. I, there's no no one gives it at uh, that A and W any love there on uh, the Kennison Strip in the morning. You know what? I, I, this is far too long of a conversation to get into now, Brandon. But I would be happy to volunteer along with Remo to come back for uh, you know basically a breakfast breakdown and breakfast rankings because um, I have takes. I have many takes. As I just dropped well, on you, the uh, French toast stick take I'm from sh- Burger King. I'm sure there's some foodie listening to this, Big. You know, there's local chains too, you guys. You can't just go to these national. national Doesn't mean chains. these places don't exist. We're not, we can't just ignore eat, them. Eat you can local, do both. Hustler. It's okay. <laughs> eat local. You shouldn't be eating this garbage food. As That's an actual take from our show yeah, when we someone, had this conversation. Brand, just lost it in the chat. Brand, did you hear about that in our, the Winnipeg Sports Talk chat? <laughs> no, no. Hustler's Hustler talking about McDonald's or something. Yeah, the and, new, the grand Big Mac. Oh, yeah. And then this person in chat just went off. He's like, Hustler, this is disgusting. How dare you talk about McDonald's? Eat local. <laughs> What are you doing, Hustler? This should be representing local cuisine, not that trash that's McDonald's. And I was like, chill out, man. I did say, listen, I'm actually putting an order into Daily Burger as we speak. But yeah. you, can't, you can't expect me not to acknowledge the, the debut of the Grand Big Mac in Winnipeg. I mean, come on. Who, who would I be if I did it? That's why I gave the shout outs at the start to Yaffa Cafe and a Tokyo Burger because we get the locals in. And yeah. then we could shift over to maybe a bigger, uh, a wider scale. I'll just make one quick take before we close it out here. But I think maybe the best bite in fast food might be the A&W Buddy Burger. But that's another conversation Too for small. another day. Oh, you know what? Uh, I love the Buddy Burger. The double Buddy Burger with cheese is, it is sort of smaller, like, um, diameter, circumference, but... I'm with you on what you just said. Yeah. The grilled onions on that thing are a freaking masterpiece. It makes it. Yeah, it's just just a bite. Just a bite. Not the best burger, but just a bite. 
Anyways, one more. No, just go. Just <laughs> yeah, no, I, I want to get you guys into bed before midnight here. So just let our listeners know what's on tap for Winnipeg Sports Talk this upcoming week. Well, lots going on. Uh, the Bombers are getting to town and they're in quarantine. So we're hooking to, uh, hoping to hook up with a couple of the players on the club. Fired up about Valor FC's 3-0 start to the season. Um, looking for win number four with fans on Wednesday night. So we'll certainly be talking about that. Uh, we've got another hockey game to talk about with the Habs staying alive going into the weekend and um, into Wednesday, I should say, and hoping for a full Bomber training camp preview uh, before the weekend as um, the guys will be putting on the pads on on the weekend as they get out of quarantine. So uh, lots going on. And, uh, oh, of course, a couple of Canadians in the Wimbledon quarters, Euro semis and finals. It's uh you know, it's almost it'll be good. I expect the cup final to be over on Wednesday, and uh, we're still going to have a lot of things to talk about, really, for two weeks before things get crazy with the hockey offseason, the CFL starts, and then that little event called the Olympics, I believe, is going to take place as well. Oh, and Brandon, just one other thing, if you don't mind uh, me giving a plug in for something. Uh, I've made, uh, I've fulfilled a lifelong dream on the weekend. It made my debut as a broadcaster in the world of professional wrestling doing That's color right. commentary for the CWE. If you go to my, uh, if you go, well, if you go to CWE Canada, I think it was the CWE adrenaline show that was from July 2nd, but uh, I put a link out on that. If you're into the art form that is professional wrestling, uh, you will enjoy it. I certainly enjoyed it. I can't wait to do it again. I honestly think that I was born to do this. This might all have just been a, a guide to get into smoky churches and school gyms in rural Canada to call indie wrestling in front of 150 people. Again, guys, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. And, you know, we'll definitely stay in touch soon. Thanks, B. Yeah, thanks. That was so much fun. It's always a good time with Hustler and Remo. So make sure to check out Winnipeg Sports Talk if you haven't already. I've also been told that the food hot takes might have to continue Might have to hop on their show later this week, so stay tuned for that as well. In the meantime, we're back on Friday with more Jets talk and a food interview as well to close out the week. This is a big one because I know the massive Ukrainian population that is here in the city and in the province, but we're talking pierogies, so super jacked to get that one going. That's coming out Friday morning. In the meantime, thanks again for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. Peace.